Then you may remain standing. All right. If you want to read here tonight, you can line it up, and uh, we'll do it tonight one more time. We thank the Lord for letting us read His Word in public. We thank God for that tonight. So if you want to read... Yeah, Psalms 117 and 118. 117 and 118. 117 and 118. You going to be first, Jessica? Well, come on. Uh, let's read 10. So you only have two in what, chapter 117, so read the two, then first, first four. I mean, first okay. eight in 118, okay? Okay. Psalm 17. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say, that his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Thank you. <clears throat> it is better to trust in the Lord to, than to put confidence in princes. All nations compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compassed me about, yea, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compassed me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song and is become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacle of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doth doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone 
which the builders refuse has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Thank you, my brother. Now, I've read this um, before, but some have said, I don't know, I haven't counted it up, but I'm just going to let you know what I've read about. The center of the Bible is Psalms 118.8, and the center of that verse is the Lord. It says, it is better to trust in the Lord. And so the Lord would be the two middle words of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And so I just read that. I haven't added that up, so I, I can't just be exact with that. But I'm just saying it may not be, but it, if it was, it would be pretty neat. And so the Lord is in the center of the Bible. So I like that. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6 with me. And, uh, and we'll read the scripture here tonight. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll read it one more time. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we began to study the Word of God tonight, Father, we need the help of the Lord. God, we need the leadership of the Spirit of God. I pray, Father, that you'd help us to have ears and eyes and hearts tonight, dear God, that may have eagerness and zeal within us today, dear God, to know more, to learn more. God, to understand what it takes to see somebody saved. God, what it requires. God, what do we need to know? And Lord, what do they need to know? And, and God, it's a very serious matter today. Lord, I don't believe there's many out there. It don't seem that gives the plan of salvation in a correct way. And Father, many are thinking they're saved. And many today, dear God, are depending upon a lot of things except the Lord today to be saved. And so we pray, God, that you'd help us tonight as we are preaching through the the thought, dear God, of how to lead somebody to Christ. And, Father, we're asking for you tonight, dear God, to open our eyes and hearts. Give us the wisdom. God, give us the leadership. Give us the help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Brother Keith, would you get the back table there and get those pieces of paper and pass those out? I put some blanks on this one this, this evening. Uh, before I didn't, I seen Brother Keith do that on Sunday school and... and uh, and I've seen people participate with that. Um, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I like that. I like people just paying attention, but maybe you can pay attention and put in an answer too. I don't know. I, uh, but anyway, we'll try it tonight, see how that works. And, and uh, I'm not going to do as Brother Keith does. That means he takes a verse and he'll read that verse and he'll fill that, that slot in for you. I'm not going to do that. You're going to have to fill it in yourself as we go. Uh, but hopefully we can make it easy enough for you to do that. We want to preach tonight on what to do as a sinner. What to do as a sinner. Now, our whole mindset 
is to lead somebody to Christ. And that's our desire. We started in Romans chapter 3 and in verse 23. And in that Romans 3 verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so the previous teachings or the previous preachings, we, we taught uh, four things. We taught, number one, what makes a sinner? And we hope you have all that in that paperwork. And then number two, we preached, what, when did you become a sinner? And then thirdly, we preached on why are you a sinner? And then fourthly, last time we preached on this, we preached on because you are a sinner. So those four things tonight, you ought to be able to get out of Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when somebody would ask you, how, why am I a sinner? How did I become a sinner? When did I become a sinner? And so what if I'm a sinner? Uh, those answers should be able to give to them. And we pray that you're able to. Now tonight we want to move further down. And we want to move to uh, this Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. And we want to talk about tonight uh, the wages of sin is death. Now when we finally come to a place with, with leading someone or guiding someone, whether at the altar or whether in your home or some place where they are asking that they need to be saved or they want to be saved, uh, and after you have come to the conclusion that they say, I am a sinner, yeah, I know that I'm lost, I know that I'm not saved, I know that uh, I'm without God, uh, and then they need to know that because of that, that the wages of sin is death. That word wage there means it's what they deserved. When you get a wage, when you're at the end of the week, you walk in or you go today, it's, you don't get a paycheck anymore hardly. It just kind of goes on your bank account in a, in a draft. And so you find that draft that comes into your bank account on, on Friday. And then on Monday, you don't have to walk in embarrassed or ashamed or anything like that. You could say, you know, I got paid a certain amount of money. You know what? And I deserve that because I worked 40 hours. I've done what I was told to do. I accomplished all that I accomplished. So your wage for your work is what you deserved. Well, for your sin, you deserve hell. You deserve death. And so that's why it's so important tonight to be able to get the people to the place where they say, I have sinned and I am a sinner. But because you are a sinner and it's now, this is what you deserve. You deserve death. Number two, that word wage means earned. And tonight the wages of sin is earning death. And so if you tonight is going to find yourself in the place of judgment with God, it's because that's what you earned. Uh, God don't send anybody to hell. God don't send anybody to judgment. God don't send anybody to the sentence of death tonight. That's something you earn. As a sinner tonight, God didn't do that for you. You did that for yourself. You have earned that. You have deserved that. Then thirdly, that word wage means received. You received. That's a wage that you received. And so for your sin... Let's say in our lifetime that we have uh, committed a thousand sins. We should receive a thousand deaths. If in our lifetime we have committed 50,000 sins, we should receive 50,000 hells, 50,000 judgments. Right? Because that's what wages is. A wages is you work, you earn, you deserve, and then you receive. And so we find in this passage very 
sobering and very serious, but that's what you got to do with sinners tonight. You got to bring the thing to soberness. It's not a game to get saved. It's not play to get saved. It's not something tonight we, we just kind of joke around with it and, and make, make it as if it's something uh, that really don't matter. It matters tonight for the sinner. The sinner, the wages of sin is death. And so we find that that word death means destruction. It means damnation. In other words, tonight you can sum it up when it says, for the wages of sin is death. It would mean eternal separation from God in hell. That's what that would mean. And we see tonight that that word also means to perish. It means to put to an end. It means to ruin it means to devote or give over to eternal misery. It means to lose eternal salvation. Now that don't mean that you get it and you lose it, but it means as a sinner tonight and you die without Christ, you lose the eternal salvation that Jesus died for. You don't get it. You lost it. It means to be lost. It means to be put out of the way entirely. It means to abolish now, that word death there is a very serious word. And I believe as Christians tonight, if we're ever going to win our children to God, we're ever going to win our spouses to God, we're ever going to win our family to God, if we're ever going to win our friends and our neighbors to God, our co-workers tonight, and even the worst of all sinners, we've got to come to a place tonight to understand that without Christ, you're doomed. Without Jesus Christ tonight, you're just a sinner. And the wages of sin is death. Very horrible. Uh, very, uh, very, and if you as an individual tonight, as a Christian tonight, don't see the horribleness of that and don't see the, the frightfulness of that and don't see the ugliness of that. And when you try to lead your children or your spouse or family members to Christ and you don't have no tense or no emotion or no feeling that this wages of sin, the wages of sin is death tonight, and then it, it won't bring forth on them either. It ought to be tonight that our eyes are full of tears and our heart are broken because people that we love and care for are sinners. And the wages of sin is death. And someday, one day, they're going to be plunged off into eternity and the separation of God in hell for all of eternity. And tonight it's real. It's real tonight. And so if I'm uh, a sinner, when he comes to that place and point, uh, what to do as a sinner? Well, as a sinner, and you now understand that you're going to die and go to hell. You're going to die and be in misery for all of eternity. You're going to pay the punishment of being a sinner by sinning. Uh, there's something that needs to take place in you as a sinner tonight, and that is I have a need of a Savior. See, when we can bring someone to the place with the Word of God to show them that that sin has earned them and deserved them and has received to them death, then they say, you know, I need a Savior. i tell you something else that it will do. It will bring them to a place where they say, I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. The third need that I notice is I need salvation. You see, these are the things that we want. We don't want to talk to a sinner and say to a sinner, sinner, why don't you get saved? That's not a good question. We don't need to talk to a sinner and say, sinner, when were you going to get saved? That's not a good question. It, it, it's like to say to a sinner, sinner, you ain't got much longer. You could die tonight and you could die uh, right now and you'd die and go to hell. Uh, what are you waiting on? Why don't you get saved? 
See, that's not a good question. What we are, have to do and what we must do as a child of God is to allow them to find the need. They need to say to us, I'm a sinner and I'm going to go to hell. I need a Savior. That's right there. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. It's them asking you. It's them pressing you. It's them in the initiative of you. It's not you putting pressure on them. You don't do that. We don't have that ability to put pressure on people to get saved. It's the Holy Spirit of God's job to do that. And it's the Word of God's job to do that. You and I just have to show them that they're a sinner. And then the sinner, the wages of that is death. And that has to alarm their heart. That has to bring them to a place where they say, I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. Is that, is that clear? I mean, I, that's important because I've seen so many people force people to pray a prayer. I've seen a lot of people put pressure on people to come down to the altar. I see a lot of people who would look at their children or spouses or somebody they love and they say, you know what, I've been praying for you a long time. Will you just go get saved? And then they make that profession and make that and make that. Uh, walk or they make that talk and and you know what it don't really matter it never ended anything but friend when they find the need uh because they know they're gonna have the death is because that's their wage uh friend then we're getting somewhere so what does a sinner do when they get to that place that they have a need of salvation or forgiveness or a savior well the first thing they do is listen number one is listen listen uh, a, a sinner will never get saved if they're talking. You say, well, you know, I think they ought to ask questions. Well, you can't ask questions unless you know something what you're talking about. Right? I mean, the, the questions in which they're going to ask are questions that are going to be, you know, uh, what is heaven like? You know, what, how do you feel when you get saved? And so what they need to do is they need to listen. What do sinners need to do? Listen. Listen. And when you're talking to them, you can be kind with them, be sweet with them, be gentle with them, and say, let me just show you. Let me just tell you. If you just listen, if you just hear me out, if you just let me show you about the Scripture, then we can really make some Accomplishment, we can really see you get saved. Because you have a need of a Savior. You have a need of forgiveness. You have a need of salvation. And you got to hear to get that, don't you? You got to hear. And so we find tonight, number one, what do they need to hear? Well, in uh, Matthew chapter 3 and in verse 2, uh, they need to listen to what did John the Baptist say. So, John, or Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, what did John the Baptist say? And so we'll find, I think that's where you got that blank right there. So that might mess me up tonight, but maybe we can work through it. Here tonight we find that in A is what did the John the Baptist say? We read it, we read it in chapter 3, verse 2. It says, and saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the answer would be repent, repent. That's what John the Baptist said. Well, John the Baptist said to every sinner, repent. Number two, or B. What did Jesus say? Well, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. This is what Jesus said. Not only John the Baptist who came before Jesus, 
But John the Baptist came after Jesus. Jesus said this in verse 15, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye. So Jesus said, Repent. What did the apostles say after Jesus' teaching to them and of them? Mark chapter 6 and verse 12. The Bible says, And they went out and preached that men should repent. The answer is repent. What did John the Baptist say? Repent. What did Jesus say? Repent. What did the apostles say? Repent. And what did hell say? What did the inhabitants of hell say? We'll look in Luke chapter, chapter 16 and look there in verse 30. Luke 16 and verse 30. The Bible says, And he said, Nay, Father, now this is the one who's in hell, Abraham, I, if any went unto them from the dead, they will repent. So what did they say from hell that you need to hear? Repent. We find what did Peter say? We'll turn to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. The Bible said, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And then what did Peter say in chapter 3, verse 19? Repent. What did Paul say? Acts chapter 20 and verse 21. Acts chapter 20, verse 21. He said, Testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance toward God. Repent. What did he say in chapter 26, verse 20? He said, But show first unto them of Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent. Repent. What did God say? We look in Acts 17, verse 30. And the times of this ignorant God winked at, but now commandeth, that's God, commandeth all men, that's everyone, everywhere to repent. So tonight, would it be clear with us and be clear with the Word of God that if a sinner would listen to what Jesus said, to what John the Baptist said, what the apostles said, what Peter said, what Paul said, what God said, and he said, repent. And so tonight, what does a sinner need to do? Repent. Repent. And so tonight, it's very clear, very plain, all through the Scripture, we find that this is true. Uh, God said in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, He said, sinners to repentance. And Mark 2, 17, He says, sinners to repentance. To repentance. And in Luke 5:32, sinners to repentance. He says that on the first three gospels. As Jesus said, I come not to destroy, I come not to judge, I come not call the righteous, but I come to call the sinners to repentance. And so when Jesus is coming, Jesus has come. And when Jesus did come, and when Jesus was calling, he was calling sinners unto repentance. That was his message. It wasn't a message of love. It wasn't a message of gather. 
It wasn't a message of smooth. It wasn't a message of kind. It wasn't a message of of, uh, let's do all things together. It was a message of repentance. Repentance. Tonight, we've got to be strong on repentance. Because if Jesus and God and Paul and Peter and the apostles and John the Baptist and God himself said, repent. You and I have to know that in order for anyone to be saved tonight, there must be repentance. What should a sinner do? Repent. Listen. If you can run through these scriptures or you could show a few of these scriptures or if you can have some of these scriptures memorized or shown in the Bible and you show them what does they say and they'll say repent and then the next question will be for that sinner is what does it mean to repent? And so we find tonight as the sinners listens and this is what's going on as the sinners listening to the word of God. As the word of God is being presented to him or her uh, there's two things taking place. The first thing tonight, as you are giving the Word of God to these people. And this is important tonight, that you're not just giving them people your words. For example, uh, you're talking to a sinner. He says to you, yeah, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I need a Savior. And you say, yes, you do. What do I need to do? Well, you need to listen for just a minute. And let me just give you some of God's Word. And then you say, well, you know, and, and there in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus says to repent. And then John the Baptist says in Matthew 3, 2, he says repent. Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, repentance towards God. That's not going to work. You've got to read them the Scripture. You've got to give them the Word of God. The power's in the Word of God, not you rephrasing it, not you quoting it. It's in the Word of God. So we've got to give them the Word of God. And so as they're listening to the Word of God, two things is happening. Number one, the Word of God is going to persuade them. And this is called faith. The word faith means persuasion. You're not going to persuade them. The Word of God will persuade them. It's called faith. Faith, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. We can't bypass this. We have to go right with the Scripture. You'll allow the Word of God to do His persuading. That word faith there in the Bible means persuasion. And so it's God that's persuading the sinner. It's God that's persuading the sinner. It's God that's doing that. You're not. You're not doing that. You're just giving the Word of God, and the Word of God's doing the persuading. The second thing that's going on at the same time is the Spirit of God is convicting them. And that's John chapter, uh, John chapter 16 in verse 8. Uh, we'll find that it is the Spirit of God that is reproving the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, this is called repentance. Now, in Romans chapter 2, turn there with me, look in verse 4. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Some people say that in Romans there's no repentance there, but I, I disagree with that. The Bible says in, sec, in, the second, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance of, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. And so as 
God is good and God has given them good life and God has given them good health and God's given them good favor and God seems to be blessing. God seems to be helping along these sinners in life. You know, all that goodness, God is leading them to repentance. And so it's the Spirit of God that is bringing that conviction and it's the Word of God that's bringing that faith. And as they are together working on the sinner so that the sinner can hear and listen, so that they can repent. Now, God gives tonight faith. It's a gift of God. So if you have faith tonight, it's because God gave it to you. It's not because you was born with it. It's not because you earned it or you grew into it or because you learned it or because I went to church and heard somebody talk about faith and now I have faith. No, faith comes by a gift. God gives you faith. Something else that God gives is repentance. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 18, if you want to turn there and we'll read it together. Acts chapter 11 and verse 18, we find what Peter was saying concerning the Gentiles. He said, and when they heard these things, there's that heard. They got to hear, you got to listen. They held their peace and glorified God saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And so tonight, God is trying to take that sinner more than the sinner, and He's trying to take the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and as all those powers at work for the sinner, He's trying to bring them to a place of faith and going to give him faith if he would receive it, and then God would give him repentance if he receive it. But all this is working. But it all works through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Does that make sense tonight, church? And so we've got to know that, that this is all the work of God. Salvation is all the work of God. All the work of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And we find tonight that we, the people, don't have the power and we don't have tonight uh, the ability nor capability of leading someone to Christ tonight. But the Word of God does and the Spirit of God does. And so in that tonight, we find not only what does a sinner do, well, they listen. And once they listen and understand and know that now they have to repent... But that repentance is from God and that faith is from God. The second thing they have to do now is learn. Not only listen, but learn. And in learning tonight, three things I want to show you tonight. They have to learn the warning of Jesus. In Luke chapter 13 and look in verse 3. Luke 13 and verse 3. We find that Jesus makes a statement in verse one, or verse 3. He said, I tell you, nay, but except you repent. Now that's what he has listened to. He listened about all those who said repent. And now Jesus said to him, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now there's that death again. So now Jesus says in verse 5, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And what Jesus is saying to the sinner, sinner, the only hope you have that you don't perish and be separated from God in hell for all of eternity is repent. 
That's all you got. The only hope you have. The only answer that Jesus can give to you tonight for you to go to heaven and not hell is repent. The only, not only answer and the only tonight in the, what he says is the only truth that God has given tonight, Jesus has given tonight, is repent. He doesn't give no options here. He doesn't give anything extra here. Uh, he says, except you repent, you shall likewise perish to be ruined for all of eternity. And so now the sinner is listening. Now the sinner is learning. He's learning now that, yes, I'm a sinner, and the wages of my sin is death and hell, separated from God for all of eternity. And now Jesus says, except I repent. And that's what everybody else was saying. Except I repent, there's a consequence if I don't repent, and that is you're going to perish. So now you're in a consequence. Now you're in a place where the, the sinner tonight is before was, okay, I may not want to be a Christian. I, I may not want to go to church. I may not want to give up my sin. I may not want to change. I, I may not want to be like them people. I may not want to uh, be in that group. I may, that may not want to be part of, that, part of that what's going on over there. Okay, you don't have to tonight as a sinner tonight. You don't have to at all. But now Jesus is putting you to a place where he says, except you repent you shall likewise perish. So now tonight you're in a corner. You're in a place where Jesus now is saying, you ain't got no room out. If you don't repent, you're going to perish. And there's no other way about it. Well, what are you going to do, sinner? See, now God's working on that heart. That Spirit of God is working on that heart. And now we find, secondly, I want you to notice that he has to learn not only what Jesus the warning of Jesus, but he needs to learn the will of God. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The will of God. One of my favorite verses here, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so now we find tonight, uh, that he is saying, the Word of God is saying, that God is very long-suffering toward us. And if you're a sinner tonight and you're not saved, man, God's been real good to you. God has been real long-suffering with you. And he's real long-suffering with all of us that are sinners. He could have killed us. He could have caused us. He could have removed the breath. I mean, he could have, he could have did a lot of things tonight where we couldn't have the ability to receive Christ as Savior, but he has it, and now we still have that ability. Boy, he's been long-suffering toward us, it says. And then he said, and not willing. So this is the will of God. He's not willing that any should perish. Do you know, dear sinner, according to the Scripture here, that it's the will of God that you repent? God's not willing that you perish. Now Jesus said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Now the Word of God says that God's not willing that you perish. So I'm just saying the love of God and the compassion of God and the long-suffering of God is lurking at the sinner who has no hope, who's going to perish. And God said, I don't want you to perish. That's my, my will. 
I did not create this world. I did not create you. I did not been good to you. And I have not given you my breath. And I have not done all that I've done for you. And all that you have experienced for you to perish. No. That's not God. But then he says that all should come to repentance. So here we find the will of God. The will of God is that they don't perish. But the will of God is that they repent. So we come back to repentance again. Repentance. And the Bible, and it's all repentance because there's none, ex, it can be exempt tonight from repentance. You say, well, I think I, can, I think I can get in by being good. No, repentance. You think I can get in by through baptism? No, I think I can get in through by being religious. No, I think I can get in by just kind of maneuvering my way through the church and through this, that, and the other. No. All should come. Now the word should come, this is interesting tonight. I hope you take some notes on this. He says should come to repentance. What does that mean? Well, that word should come means to receive repentance. You see that? So repentance tonight is not what you're going to do. It's not a work of man. Repentance is granted by God. It's a gift of God. But what God is saying is, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that you receive repentance. You receive it. Should come means receive. Receive it. So tonight, God's not asking you to repent. He's asking you to receive repentance. Big difference. See, if I had to repent, I couldn't repent because I don't know what repentance means. I don't have repentance within me. But when God, and through the gift of repentance, can give to me, then I can receive it. So that word should come means receive, but it means to contain repentance. So the Lord is saying, I'm not willing you should perish, but I am saying tonight, won't you contain repentance? Should come. Retain. It means to hold repentance. Should come to repentance. Should hold repentance. And so tonight, in order for you not to perish, you've got to receive repentance, you've got to have repentance, you've got to contain repentance, and you've got to hold repentance. The only way that you cannot go to hell tonight is if you repent, and that repentance is a gift of God, and that gift of God you have to receive. That's why some people think that repentance is a work. But the way I'm preaching it and what Bible, the Bible in which I believe in and how I'm telling you tonight, you can see that it's not a work. You can see it's God that gives that to you. And so tonight we find that not only do we see the warning of Jesus and we see the will of God, but I want you to notice thirdly, the Word of God. The Word of God. Turn to John chapter 3 and verse 15. John chapter 3 and verse 15. This is what the Word of God says, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Should not perish. And so tonight, that's what you got to learn. Am I, am I wanting to perish? And I don't want to repent. I don't want to perish. I don't want to die and go to hell. I don't want to be separated from God for all of eternity. I don't want that. Do you want to run and be damned and be condemned for all of your life and spend in hell and be cast into the lake of fire? You say, no, no, I don't want to perish. So then what does the Word of God say? Whosoever believeth in Him 
should not perish. How about verse 16? Verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. So here's an answer tonight to not perish. It's the Word of God. What do I need to do not to perish? You need to believe in Him. You've got to repent. And we find tonight in John chapter 10 and in verse 28, one of my other favorite scriptures tonight, the Bible says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Never perish tonight. What a glorious message. Uh, You shall never perish. Is there one doubt at all tonight when you repent and believe you're going to perish in any of your life? No. You cannot. How long, how long is never? Never is forever. Right? How long is eternal life? Forever. And he says this. He says, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. But then he says that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. Then he says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. So you'll never go to hell. You'll never uh, find yourself unsaved if you repent and believe in Jesus Christ. So we find tonight learning. They got to learn. They listen, and then they learn, and then we come to number three, living. Living. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, John the Baptist makes this statement. He said, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. And then, he said, then in Acts chapter 26, in verse 20, Paul says, do works, meat for repentance. Bring forth therefore fruits. And then it says, do Works meet for repentance. You see, after you listen, and you get it, okay, i got to repent, and then you learn that God's not willing that I perish, but I have to come to repentance, and you finally learn the warning of Jesus, except you repent, you shall likewise perish, and you learn that the Word of God says you don't have to perish if you repent and believe. And when you come to that point, the third thing you need to know is you need to know that this thing about being saved is living. Living. Salvation is not just a profession. Salvation is just not saying I'm saved. Salvation tonight is just not coming to a place where you say, okay, on October 30th, 1988, I asked Jesus into my heart. I repented and I was born again. And now that kind of is done, gone and over, and I kind of just move on with my life. No. This repentance that I'm speaking of tonight is repentance that's got to be a, li- a life in which you live. You're living repentance as a child of God tonight. Every one of us who ever got saved, we had to repent. And that repentance came from God. 
But after that salvation took place, that repentance is constantly in our lives. We'll never get over repentance. We'll never get over faith. It will be a constant work in our lives. And the true salvation, he says, is to bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. Do works that are meat for repentance. And what does all that mean to you and I tonight? That just means this. If God really did give you repentance, and God really did change your heart, and God really did change your mind, and God really did change your life, then the very life that you live would be in accordance to what you repented of. In other words, for example, if I was a drunk and I was drinking and I done that as a lifestyle, I did that because that's just who I am, what I am. And then I come to a place and understood that I had a need of a Savior and somebody showed me in the Word of God that I'm going to perish if I don't, get, if I don't repent. And then I see that Jesus Christ said, if you believe in him, you shall not perish. And I said, man, I don't want to perish. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And so God granted unto him repentance, a changed heart, a changed mind, and a changed life. And he received it. As he received this repentance of this changed heart, changed mind, changed life, now his life will put down the liquor. His life will no longer lift it up again. His life will never put to his mouth anything tonight that he repented of, that he turned from. So that's what it means to be meat under repentance. You can't come out of a lifestyle of partying and be saved and live in a lifestyle of partying. You, you, can't, you can't come out tonight of being someone tonight who's rude and ugly and, and one who is dishonest and one who's a thief tonight and get born again and stay a thief and dishonest and ugly. That's what the Bible teaching here. There's a living involved in this thing. And so, friend, when you, get, when you find yourself with this repentance, you've got to find a life that's equal to the repentance. And so we see tonight, uh, this is where it gets real hairy because life is suitable to the change of heart. You say that God granted you repentance a change of heart. But that life has to be suitable to what you say God did for you. Amen? It also means life is comparable to the change of mind. And repentance is a change of mind, and God has brought that on you. You don't change your mind. God changes your mind. And that change of mind, now that life you're living, is comparable to the change of mind that God did in you. That's why you can live and be saved for all of eternity because it's God's work in you. It's God that changed your mind. It's God that changed your heart. And that very life that you're living is worthy. Worthy. That's what that word, that's what that word meat means. It means comparable. It means suitable. It means worthy. That's your meat. You do works meat for repentance. It just means tonight that my life now is worthy to the change of life that God did in me. He changed me. That's why in salvation tonight we have no boasting. We have nothing to say. We got no blowing of smoke. 
We can't stand up before our Christian brothers and sisters and say, hey, I want you to notice what I did on my salvation, that I am what I am because I have made choice that I'm going to change my life. <laughs> no, that's not true. Those who are really saved don't have to say anything because you watch them and you see their changed life. And you say, man, what happened to them? They repented. I mean, how they repent? God granted it to them and they received it. And boy, they repented in that God changed their heart and changed their mind and changed their life. And now they're living according to what God changed. Amen. Amen. All right, man, I'm excited about this. I like it. And so we find tonight this living. I want you to notice tonight in, in this living uh, how through the Scripture there's people who, who have been changed. And I want you to go through this with me. I, I think I got it written down there. Uh, a, I have it written Acts chapter 26. Turn there with me tonight. Acts 26, verse 20. The Bible says, Repent and turn to God. Acts 26 and verse 20. This is living. Life that has been changed. 26, verse 20. In the middle of that verse it says, And to them the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. So that's, that's the repentance, see. That's what, they have to, that's what they have to do. And friend, when it says repent and turn to God, now their whole life has been changed. You're not going to repent. That's change of mind, change of heart, change of life and turn to God and ever go back. It won't work like that. Because God brought repentance in your life. And God brought faith in your life. If God gave you faith and God gave you repentance, you can't lose it and you won't get from it. Right? If you repented and you have faith, then you're going to lose it and you're going to stop. You're going to start living like you want to. Eventually you get mad at Brother Larry, you get mad at so-and-so, you get crossways and you go back into the world and you go back like a dog in its vomit and like a hog in its mire and you'll find that you'll be right back who you were and who you've always been and you've never been born again. But when you receive the repentance of God, you receive the faith of God, you'll find that you'll do something like this and your life will change. It will be repent and turn to God. That's what the sinner needs tonight. Acts chapter 14 and verse 15. Acts 14 and verse 15. Here's another change of life. The Bible says, And saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We, are, we also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God. That's repentance. That's a change of life. They're no longer going to worship vanities. They're going to repent of that and they're going to begin to serve the living God. That's repentance tonight. That's a life. That's what the Bible would call do works meet for repentance. That's what that is. And we know in C in Acts chapter 9 and verse 35, here's another life that was changed. Acts chapter 9 verse 35. And all that dwelt in Lydia and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. That's repentance. 
That's bringing forth fruits, meat unto repentance. Turn to the Lord. Acts chapter 11, verse 21, another life that has been changed. The Bible says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Repentance. Turn unto the Lord. Acts chapter 15, verse 19. Another life has been changed. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which are among the Gentiles who are turned to God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. This whole, this, these people of Thessalonica tonight, they were changed by repentance. It says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Changed. That's repentance tonight. God granted them repentance, and God granted them faith. Tonight we're talking about repentance. We'll talk about faith next week. But uh, tonight in Hebrews chapter 6 and in verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, leaving the principles of doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance. The foundation, what does that mean? From dead works and a faith toward God. So that's repentance. Turn from dead works. This is what takes place at salvation. Repent. What does a sinner do? Listen, learn, live. Repent. 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 Repentance is not saying I'm sorry for my sin. Repentance is not confessing your sin. Repentance is not saying that I have sinned. Repentance is receiving the repentance of God and God bringing repentance in your life, which is a changed mind and a changed heart and a changed life. When we say things like this, you need to confess your sins and ask Jesus into your heart, you're not telling the truth. And we said it before, I've said it before, we all probably have said it before, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Nowhere does the Bible teach that you've got to confess your sins. If that requirement was real, there are sins tonight that you've done and you don't remember. You think you can confess every one of your sins? That's crazy. That's crazy to think that. Confess your sins. No, what God is wanting you to do is confess you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I've got a need for a Savior. And as the Word of God and the Spirit of God begin to work on you, and as that sinner comes to that place and says, you know what, I, I see that I'm going to perish if I don't repent. But I don't want to perish. I want to repent. And God will grant him repentance. And God will change his heart, change his mind, change his life. At the same time, God will give him faith. Both of them are gift, gift of faith, gift of repentance. And God will save them right there. Not one time did he confess his sins. You don't have to confess your sins. That ain't got nothing to do with salvation. Salvation has everything that what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary for your sins. Your sins was paid for by Jesus. You have to receive Jesus. <laughs> you don't go around confessing sins. That's, that's crazy tonight. Now, after you get saved, then you confess sins. Once you get saved. 
And so we find 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sins that he is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so let's go on here tonight in, this, in the last few moments. I want you to notice tonight that repentance is a life change. Repentance is required as a Christian. Now turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and look there in verse 8. Paul is writing to the church. He's writing to the church and the, and the writing that he did write and what he gave to them was something that brought to their attention of some wrong in their life. I want you to notice tonight for a Christian in repentance, a Christian must repent. Not to be saved, but tonight a Christian in life after salvation will find your life of repentance. Life of repentance. Always repenting. Always making that repentance. We find tonight, number one, in order for you as a Christian to repent, you've got to have a time of correction. See, Paul writes this in verse 8. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceived that their same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Paul said, I wrote you something, and you got sorry over it, because I corrected you in something. And tonight, in order for us to find repentance as a Christian, we got to have correction. If nobody corrects you, you will not repent. Does that make sense? And so when somebody does correct you, don't get mad at them. That's God's way of getting you right with Him. So as a husband and wife tonight, or as a friend tonight, or, or someone who's a mother and a father, or, or a child and, a, and, a, and another child tonight, and they are lovers of God, and they are living for God, and you're a Christian too, God's not interested in you living wrong. God's not interested in you living in sin. So what will He do? He will bring someone your way. He'll bring some, something into your way, and that you will be corrected. If tonight you're so big you can't be corrected, Man, you're full of pride. If tonight you don't give anybody any kind of leeway and to say to you, you're wrong, you're full of pride tonight. We are to say, every one of us tonight, say, listen, I am open. You ought to tell your spouse, you ought to tell your children, you ought, you ought to tell your parents tonight, listen, mom and daddy, listen, spouse, listen, whomever, I'm just letting you know I'm a Christian and I, I want to live for God. And if you see anything wrong in my life, if you see anything tonight that you need to correct or rebuke or anything in my life that you need to straighten out, please, I give you an open door. Will you do that? That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. Because many of fights and many things that goes on in the home tonight is because the one will not listen to correction. And God is saying to that one who won't listen to correction, you're a rebellious child. And I'm not walking with you, and you have grieved my spirit, and you're not going any further with me until you allow that correction to come your way. And we find tonight that in order for us to live this Christian life because of repentance, and this repentance is going to be a life in which we live, and that is we're going to find correction. None of us are perfect. None of us are without sin. 
None of us tonight do everything right all the time. None of us tonight have it all together. We're all hot messes. But it's God tonight that wants to correct you so that you can come to repentance. So we find there has to be a correction. Number two, in verse 9, there's a conviction. Once you get the correction, then you can find conviction. We see in verse 9, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you were sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. That word there, in that word sorry, in verse 9, means grief and heaviness and sadness. You were made sorry. In other words, that letter that I wrote that was correcting you and that individual tonight who is talking to you and correcting you, whether it's your boss, whether it's your spouse, whether it's someone else like a manager in a store, maybe it's a cop on the street, maybe it's something tonight who has authority and they're correcting you and you say to them, please correct me. And when you get corrected, you'll find that there will be conviction upon you. Because once you realize and once you understand and once you know that I am absolutely wrong in this thing, I absolutely have been that, I've done that, I had the attitude of that, and now that conviction, it becomes sadness. See, tonight you should be sad. Tonight, whenever you do wrong and there's correction in your life, friend, to be sad and be sorrowful and be heavy tonight is healthy. Amen. We want to make it tonight where we live a life of ease of sadness. God said, no. I can get you where you need to be, but you got to be sad. You got to get grieved. You got that correction, man. It's got to come to you, and it's got to be a sorrow that is hurtful and very painful. Amen. Repentance tonight. We find tonight that this... This uh, conviction tonight is from God alone. He says in verse 9, he says, a godly manner. You see that verse 9? A godly manner. What does that mean? That means that God is using Paul to speak to the church of Corinth about their wrong so that he can convict them. And mark it down tonight. Whomever is correcting you is being used by God to get you in the correction so that you can repent and you can get right with God. Isn't that something? That God would love me enough to send a correction my way so that I can get right with God? Life of repentance. We see here thirdly tonight, there's a connection. In verse 9, he uses a godly manner. That's a God convicting. He used that term, godly manner. In verse 10, he uses the word godly sorrow. In godly sorrow, we see that's God doing the cause. He's causing the sorrow. Not the individual who's correcting you. That's not the one who's causing the trouble. God is bringing the trouble. God's bringing the convicting. Okay? Don't, let's not lash out on those who are bringing that correction to us. It's God. It's a godly sorrow. God causing. It's a godly repentance tonight. For God is changing. He says in verse 10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance. Repentance. Well, what does that mean tonight? Well, that means that that, godly, that word worketh means to work or accomplish or perform. And so this godly this repentance, this sorrowful, this godly sorrow 
that we know that's come from God has now brought me to a place where I have a godly repentance knowing that God's performing this change on my heart. He's the one who's changing my mind and changing my will. It's Him. It's not the dirty, rotten rascals who's telling me about it. See, what we want to do, we want to, who's ever telling us how wrong we are, our answer to them is to tell them how wrong they are. Amen. I know we're about done. We're not done yet. So if somebody wants to correct you, what we do in our rebellion is we want to look to them and try to find what they're doing wrong. And we want to find out where they're coming short. And we want to talk about their ways. And God said, I didn't send them there for you to do that. And immaturity and and childlikeness will always do that. When you get accused of something or when you get corrected with something, you always want to lash out and look at their weaknesses. And God says, listen, if it's a godly sorrow, I'm doing it. A godly manner, I'm doing it. I'm bringing that to that repentance. And it's a godly repentance. I'm making the change in the heart. Amen? Now, there he's talking about a worldly sorrow. You see that verse 10? You know what a worldly sorrow is? A worldly sorrow is say, okay, all right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, is that over now? All right, okay, I said I'm sorry. Can we move on? That's a worldly sorrow. I know what you said. I know what you said. And I, you know what? I'll do my best, okay? But you know what? This complete state, you're griping now. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. And well, tomorrow I'll talk to you. I'm not taking this correction. See, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a worldly way of doing it. We find tonight, not only there's a connection, but then I hear here, fourthly, there's a conclusion. The Bible says in verse 10, For a godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Not a salvation of getting saved, but a salvation of rescue, a salvation of deliverance, a salvation of safety. If you want to be in a place of rescue and deliverance and safety with God, you need somebody to correct you. And when they do correct you, you know it's from God. In the manner of God's working in your heart, then there'll be repentance, and that repentance will come and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing me my wrong. And you'll find deliverance there and rescue. You'll find safety there. Then it says, Not to be repented of. And at verse 10, what does that mean? That means it's irrevocable. In other words, when, when, when somebody comes to me, as, they, as Paul went to the church, and the Paul wrote that letter, they came under conviction. After they come under conviction, they begin to get uh, this conviction about it, right? They got correction by Paul, conviction. Then after they got the conviction, there was a connection. And that connection was there was repentance now. But that repentance that they said is irrevocable. And let me, let me explain it like this. If somebody comes to you and says, you know what, you've got a bad attitude. And you say, you say to them, all right, God must be telling me about my bad attitude. All right, I'm sorry for the bad attitude. I, I don't want to have a bad attitude. But you do have a bad attitude. I'm sorry, I don't want one. Uh, forgive me, if I hurt you, man, I apologize. I, I didn't want to do any of that. And then irrevocable means this. When you walk away and say, man, I tell you what, I didn't have no attitude. And if I do have an attitude, they deserve it. That's not a godly repentance. A godly repentance is, I'm sorry. 
I hurt you. I apologize. I will change. I changed my heart, my mind, my life on that. I won't do that no more. You can say it that they were clean. And you look them in the face and you look to God and say, God, thank you for changing me. It's irrevocable. You don't hear this, you don't hear this much preached, do you? No. But that's what's wrong with our homes. That's what's going to be wrong with your home, Brother George and Sister Diana. It's going to be your home is going to be this problem. Every home in here has these problems. Because we don't like to be corrected because we don't like God to bring repentance upon our lives. But as Christians, we have to live in repentance. Right? Always repentance. We find here lastly tonight that it's, there's a clearing. When you repent right and God does the repenting, after a godly sort in verse 11, the Bible says, For hold their self-same thing that they're sorrowed after a godly sort. That means just doing it God's way. There's, 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 so, there's number one, there's a, there's a carefulness that comes out of it. What carefulness it wrought in you. That word carefulness means wanting to make it right. Once repentance comes from God, and then you have a changed heart and a changed mind, then you're going to be careful with it, and you'll say, you know what, I, don't, I want to make it right. That's what repentance will do. I will make it right. Carefulness. Number two, there's a clearing. That means to admit you're wrong. When you're in a godly repentance, you admit that you're wrong every time, 100%. There's a, there's a clearing of it. Number three, in this, in this godly repentance, there's an indignation. In other words, I hate what was done. That's what indignation means. I hate what was done. Number four, there's a fear. That means fear to never do it again. I, have a fear. I don't want to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to say that again. I'm not going to. I have a fear. Oh, God, please don't. I don't want to. A vehement desire, that means a desire to do better, a desire to, be, to go higher, a desire to live above. Vehement desire. And then there is a zeal to set it right. I got a zeal to set it right. Now, I'm talking about what godly repentance is. And then lastly, revenge, to put down the wrong. I got a revenge on it. You know how you have a revenge on something? That is, I'm going to come against it. That's what you do with that evil. What you did, I'm going to revenge it. I'm going to put it down. This brings, according to the scripture here, in all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. You might want to take this tonight and, and bring it forth into our lives about repentance. If you want to be clear to the matter, you've got to do it God's way. It's amazing. In Revelation, in the seven churches in Revelation, you know what God said to, to six of the churches? Repent. The only church he didn't say repent to is the church of Philadelphia. Every other church he said repent. Now, why would Jesus have to say repent to the church? Because the church needs to repent. We're in repentance. Our life is full of repentance. And so tonight we pray that something might be said that might be a help to you. God help us tonight, Lord. Repentance. What does the sinner need to do? Repent. Repent. How will he do that? To listen, learn, and live. May God help us tonight. All right. Any prayer requests tonight?
All right. Well, y'all, yes. to me, save God's own son.